What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So today I am sitting with, uh, well, first and foremost, welcome back, right? Should I be, is it okay to welcome myself back, Bree? Yeah, I think so. It's been a minute. Okay, welcome back. If you haven't noticed, we've been gone for a few weeks in transition while Rec Philly opened up their new recording studio and uh, networking facility. So we are here at Rec Philly's new place. It's good to be here. It's good to finally be able to share some of the things that we've been doing over the last few weeks with everyone. And today, as you heard, I'm sitting with producer extraordinaire Brie Wilson. I always like that introduction. Why? Because you're producer, producer extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel important. So let's well, let's recap a couple of things that we, um, or I guess that I've been doing over the last few weeks while we were on a, a, a slight break. Um, just recently, there's been a lot of buzz in the city regarding uh, these toxic schools. So I didn't know anything about it until you started looking into it, which I think is the case for most people in Philadelphia. I don't think most of us, whether you're a parent or not, know anything about uh, what's going on in the Philadelphia school system. So we're going to break it down for everybody. So schools built prior to 1980 are riddled with asbestos and lead. And as the decades have passed, this asbestos has gotten in the air and has been exposed to both students and teachers. The Enquirer did a huge expose in 2018, highlighting a number of schools that had very high levels of asbestos, higher than levels found at the site of 9-11, where the two towers fell, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, that's definitely nuts. I mean, <laughs> this is this is what we're sending our kids to. So over the last couple of weeks, I was able to go to a number of different protests and rallies regarding this issue. Um, I was able to get an interview with Antoine Little. He's an activist and also a, a parent to a student that goes to one of these schools that ended up being shut down due to asbestos. I talked to Eric Marsh, who's also an activist in the city of Philadelphia. Um, we also talked to Nicholas O'Rourke. He was a previous guest on the podcast. Uh, he recently ran for city council. He didn't win his race, but he also works with Power, which is an organization focused around community building. And finally, we're going to recap today with our interview with uh, Senator Vincent Hughes, who held a press conference and was able to stop and talk about on a state level what's really happening. This is a very convoluted issue that seems pretty basic. But once you get into the weeds, into the details, it's very confusing. And it's probably one of the reasons why uh, parents don't know a lot of what's happening. Okay, so you mentioned that you uh, went to a protest, which I'm sure was filled with parents. What what happened there? Yeah, let's break it down. So we started the protest and a number of people ended up speaking, including, like I said, a number of activists, Antoine Little. And we also heard Kendra speak, uh, Kendra Brooke, who was recently elected to city council. And after all of that took place, I was able to pull Antoine aside. And as a parent and activist in the city of Philadelphia, we talked about the asbestos issue, how it was hitting close to home for him and what he thinks the school district should really do about it. So my name is Antoine Little. I'm a parent of three uh, public school children. I'm also a public school advocate, been a public school advocate for about the last nine or 10 years. So we're here tonight to talk about and to stand up to the district about the toxic conditions that are going on all over all of the schools that fall under the school district of Philadelphia, primarily T.M. Pierce Elementary School because that's the school that my children attend, but we're also raising awareness to all of the schools that have toxic conditions in them. Now, I know there's been a lot of uh, media uproar, um, especially within the local papers, about what's what's happening with the conditions of these schools and then the school district response. What has been your interaction with the district? What's really, what's taking place? What is the condition of Pierce specifically? So, I mean, there, there's exposed asbestos. They're doing lead remediation work. And the response from the district has been, in my opinion, mediocre. And the reason I say mediocre, because it took, it took about five meetings for us. I'll say four, for fairness. It took us about four meetings 
to actually begin to make some progress. Of course, the first meeting was very hostile because you had upset parents because we all found out from a news article. I found out because I got a call from a reporter who was calling for a comment. And when she said what she was calling for the comment for, I was floored because I knew nothing about it. So the following Monday, I chose to hold a press conference and rally outside of the school to raise awareness, to let all of the parents know what was going on outside the school. So, you know, we fast forward. We had several other meetings, and I feel as though the district had, has been completely dishonest with myself and the rest of the parents of TM Pierce. And, and we just we just want answers and and I, as i told the district i said when you come in to talk to the parents you have to do several things you have to be honest you have to be upfront and don't lie i'd rather hear the bad news get it out the way and then we figure out how we move forward but when you begin to i can't say what i want to say but when you begin to 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 try to pull the wool over our eyes that that's when the parents really get irritated because you begin to think that they're stupid. Okay, so there's a lot to say about what Antoine said. It amazes me that they have shown such little concern for what's going on in our schools. And I know that it's like, well, I feel like it's a money issue, but we're dealing with, with our kids' health you know, and, and teacher and faculty's health and not, not on a minor level, but, you know, cancer, like <laughs> this, is, this is serious. So it's, it, it is astonishing the lack of response from the school district and also how they treat asbestos is not something that causes alarm. It's been a common joke. If, if you went to a Philadelphia school that asbestos was rampant all over their buildings. So the awareness has always been there, even when we were kids in Philadelphia schools. So we talked about that dynamic and their lack of response from the school district with Antoine. I'm a product of Philadelphia school system. And I mean, I learned back in the day that asbestos was bad. You know, it seems like we're we're past the, the point of they dropped the ball. It was almost like it's been ignored for decades, really. What have you gotten any response on just the the inaction that's taken place over the years? Because this can't be just something that they just found out, you know, within this last year or two, right? No, nah, they just they didn't find it. I mean, they, the district said they do in building inspections every six months on every school in the district looking for toxic hazardous conditions or whatever the case may be. They knew the asbestos was in there. They're saying that because it wasn't um, broken, destroyed, it didn't cause a risk or a hazard. But I'll just use T.M. Pierce for an example because I went to T.M. Pierce when I was younger. And the asbestos was in that building then. Listening to a story that was on Good Morning America this morning and hearing the doctor say no levels of asbestos is good, that's alarming. And to, to hear that teacher's story when she talked about she don't know if she's going to make it to the next day because of the cancer-causing disease that she has, that's heartbreaking. And for the district, for her to say that the district has not even reached out to her, I understand this is a business, but we're still humans. And you have to put a human side to it and say, well, let me reach out to this lady just to actually say a few kind words because that may lift her spirits up. Or let me send some flowers or a fruit basket because we're concerned and we want you to know that we have your back because you had our back for 30 years. None of that has happened. So that's disturbing. So it, it really, is it all about the black and white? Is it all about the dollar? And that's what it seems like it is. It's hard to paint a, a, a better or worse picture of how the school district has responded to this incident by not even acknowledging one of their teachers being diagnosed with cancer that can only be caused by asbestos and not doing any type of outreach to one of their faculty members who has been a teacher for over 30 years. I think that paints a very vivid picture of how they just don't seem to care about this. They definitely don't care. I mean, that that's my opinion. They don't care because just the fact that he said earlier that he didn't have any knowledge of, of the amount of asbestos that was in the school that not only he attended, but his children attended. And the way that he found out was through a reporter. That, to me alone, lets me know that they don't, they're not concerned. Or if they are concerned, it, it's not 
enough concern for them to do anything about it. Um, they, it's, it's like they're trying to keep everything a secret. And so we, we talk about that a little bit more with Antoine. And one of the things that was very evident into the approach by the school district was uh, their response between uh, Science Leadership Academy, SLA, and Ben Franklin. These two schools that started the school year in a tumultuous period because one school, which was predominantly white, um, was closed down almost immediately in response to these alarms around asbestos. And these other schools who have raised numerous red flags, which are predominantly black, have been completely ignored. We talk about that a little bit more with Antoine. SLA, who was closed down, what, the beginning of this school year, I believe? That was that seemed to be a much quicker process than once we found out what was happening in Pierce. You know, SLA is a predominantly white school um and pierce is not is 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 it really that black and white was amazing i'm glad you said that because what's funny is one of the interviews that i did i told the report i said this is nothing but mere class racism and what i mean by mere class racism when you your economic background should not dictate what kind of education you get what kind of school you go to because it, what, what we're attempting to do, we want good education, we want good quality schools, good quality teachers in these schools, teaching our children so that our children can get out of the economic conditions that they are faced with today. I mean, for, for, for the district to like make this about dollars and cents, it's just like, where are your morals? How do you sleep with yourself at night? How do you look yourself in the mirror at night and say that you are the, the Dr. William Height, I am the head of the schools, or my name is whoever that represents the school board. How do you, how do you live with yourself at night? You, I can't. I have morals, so that would eat me alive. So to be fair to the school district, because we're beating them up a lot right now, um, in the middle of this protest, uh, or just before the protest and, and with my interview with Antoine, there was a $12 million plan announced by the uh, school district to um, use a portion of their construction budgets to address uh, some of these asbestos-related problems in, in, in schools across the district. However, that pales in comparison to close to the $100 million that teachers are asking for, the PFT, um, and this uh, coalition of elected officials, teachers' unions, um, and advocate groups across the city and the state. Um, on top of that, they're projecting, you know, close to a billion dollars really needs to be uh, injected into the Philadelphia school district to address not just the asbestos issues and the lead issues, but just the facilities in general. Buildings falling apart, um, rodent infestations, bed bugs, all of these things that are just contributing to a very hazardous environment for both uh, students and teachers. Um, so I'm all for beating up. The school district. <laughs> I'm not trying to be soft when it comes to, to them, mainly because this is not new. You know, this is this is not something that just all of a sudden popped up and, oh, yeah, we're going to get put 12 million. Toward. No, I don't want to hear none of that. None of it at all. Y'all knew about this for decades, decades. So um, for them to be addressing it now, like. It's, 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 it's beyond late in the game. This issue is so convoluted because there are so many variables that come into place. How much funding do these schools need? Does the district need to really address some of these issues? But also what type of controls are put into place when it comes to making sure that this doesn't become a present danger uh, as we go forward once these schools have received the abatement that they really need? Um, just recently, there was the plan that was just announced. What was that, a few days ago? Uh, uh, pumping more dollars into the district what is that enough is that is that a step in the right direction to the district realizing that they have had a very lax approach to this process well the 500 million we got to see where they spend it but what's funny is is that you had uh meredith first you had uh nebinger second sla and franklin third now tm pierce then Pratt, it took them to get through the first 
three schools that I just named in order to halfway get it right. And they still haven't gotten it right because their messaging is wrong. And they're not being forthright with the parents about a lot of things. What are the air quality results? If you even did an air quality sample test, how long have you known that there's been damage asbestos in the building? These are questions that we have not been able to get answered. I think they're about to let people in. Um, so just before we go in, what is the demand that you have for the school district? I mean, one of our demands is change your communication process when you deal with the parents. The other demand is go in and clean every school within the district. Clean and abate every school in the district. The other demand is, is that all records need to be made public so that parents can read the results of what's going on and stop lying to the parents of the district. Okay, so um, I'm glad that, that Antoine focused so much on accountability because that's, that's really like the, the main focus of, of this, um, that the school district needs to let people know what's going on and they need to be honest about it. So what's next? Yeah, it was it was really crazy um, because that was a big part of this. Antoine and I talked after the protest. So the protest uh, went on and a number of people went out there and spoke, including um, Kendra Brooks, who was recently elected to city council. Mm hmm. And one of the things that came up during the protest was this 10-year tax abatement. And not to get into too much detail, basically an abatement or a way for businesses to come into the city. And as they start their new business, they have a new building that they're building in the city. They don't pay taxes on it. It's a, an encouragement to help stimulate the economy in the city, helps jobs, and really help the, the community as a whole across the city. It's a great idea in, in the short term, but there are a lot of advocates in the long term that believe it's long overdue that needs to be repealed and that money could be used for other purposes in addressing some issues in the city like infrastructure and of course, now the school issue. So just as we were uh, about to head inside, I was able to pull activist Eric Marsh aside and we talked about uh, what the 10-year tax abatement can provide as far as funding to the school district, but also if he had confidence in the uh, school district and district officials on their ability to take this seriously and address these huge concerns that parents, uh, students, and teachers have. I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned how they feel about it. The reality is that they need to put money behind this issue and recognize that there's no place for these children to go. The schools have already, many, many schools have already been shut down up to this point. And so you have to take an aggressive step remove these children from this hazardous environment and start working on either um, abating the asbestos and lead in existing buildings or providing new spaces. And in relation to tax abatement, you know, there's a lot of people who have jumped on the bandwagon of, about tax abatement and how we need to just get rid of it completely. And I'm aware that it actually has provided some benefit to the city. Um, however, I have years of experience in construction. I remember when the tax abatement was first started before the uh, head house at the uh, convention center was started, before there was a Marriott downtown, before the uh, convention center expansion happened, right? And so its initial purpose has been served. It's, attract, it's, it's attracted large developers. It's attracted out-of-state out of and out-of-town developers. And we have an influx of, of, of buildings, construction, and economy that's done that. There's even some small construction and residential construction that has happened that has actually helped people on a very small end. However, the reality is that the school district has actually suffered the whole time that the city has grown. There's been no resources and no money really pouring in to keep up with the growing cost of maintaining schools. So again, I think when we talk about tax abatement, I think we're missing an opportunity to talk about ulterior funding sources. We're talking about we're missing the opportunity to talk about how the city and the state prioritizes its spending, right? Because like I said, we've known this issue of, as, of asbestos and lead has been around for a very long time. This, the tax abatement issue is only one small piece of that conversation. And as legislators and elected officials, we elect them and put them in office for, to be forward thinking, to, to foresee problems as they're about before they arise and, and be able to head them off. 
And that has not happened. And so the reality is, even if we were to get rid of the tax abatement uh, once and for all tomorrow, that's not going to fix this issue of our schools. And so we've got to be more forward thinking and less destructive, right, and understand how we can be innovative in our approach in funding our schools and recognizing that I hate to be cliche, but the reality is that this is our future. When you're talking about education, not only are our children in toxic buildings, they're already receiving um, insufficient education to keep up with the world, the global economy. And so, again, I think people have been passing the buck. I think people have been hoping that it, ha it will fall on somebody else's watch. And the reality is that now the bill has come due. Uh, as a parent who is just being made aware of what's going on, what recourse do they have? What advice would you give them as they try to navigate through this process? As they may be one of these uh, schools that are affected by these poor conditions, asbestos and lead. I think the parents at the schools have to organize and they have to sacrifice, right? One of the things, and I can speak as a parent, one of the things that we do as parents is that we hope that we can send our children to school and put them in the hands of professionals who actually care about them and are competent. But as we see, that is not the case. We already know that teachers are already stretched too thin. They're coming out of their own pockets to provide supplies. And meanwhile, the city, city council, the mayor, the state, and the school district are playing past the buck. And so it's up to parents to really organize, come out in mass for your school. I understand this presence here at the school district. Absolutely. I understand it 100 percent. But if you're not showing up at your school and you're not showing up at city council and at city hall where decisions are really made, you're not doing anything. And, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that because I've been in that position. I have two young children, one in the third grade and one in the fourth grade. And it breaks my heart to send them to the school that they go to on a regular basis. So I have to sacrifice time for my job. I have to sacrifice hours. I have to sacrifice comfort and sleep to be out here to demand because power concedes nothing without demand. And so that is where power really lies for the parents. I think too many of our parents, especially because we have a huge number of younger parents who are under 30, millennials who are parents of children in schools, there's a different way of operating. My generation was a little more of like marching and shouting. But if you got to get on social media, if you got whatever you have to do, you got to come out and really be an advocate for your child. You've got to be an advocate for your child because the way the system is set up, they are simply taking advantage of your children. What do you want to say to, are you going to be heading inside? I am going to be heading inside. What do you, uh, if you have an opportunity to say anything or if you would like to say something to district officials, to city council members, to the mayor, what would that be? Get off your butts and change your priorities and start identifying schools immediately. The plan that the school district just released talks about the 2021 school year and how we've got to wait for these assessments and we've got to wait for, you know, to go down the list of, of things that have been submitted. But again, what that tells me is that somebody has been sleeping on their job all of these years because they should have been working on this in advance. So one of the things that they can do is they've already applied for the $500 million bond, I believe, that's going to um, help to do some of the abatement. But you've got to start this school year. And I know it's hard. I know they say, that, oh, there's a lot of logistics and things that need to happen. But the reality is our children can't afford to wait because the longer they're, they're exposed and the longer the staff people are exposed, the higher risk of infection, contamination and poor health outcomes. So one of the, the things that he said uh, that was really important was about priorities. It's not a priority to Philadelphia, apparently. It seems like it's not a priority to us. And I, I don't I don't want to put any blame on parents or or um, even the faculty members and school principals, those people, because a lot of the people don't know about it. And not knowing about it is one of the reasons why I think it's gone on for so long. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because while, you know, there's an argument to be made about the parents' uh, involvement with some of the issues that's going on. And, and you know, it's, sometimes it's hard, right? Like Eric was, was alluding to, if you're a parent who, if you're a single parent and you're 30s or 40s, you work a full-time job, maybe you work a second or third shift, it's going to be kind of hard for you to attend you know, uh, a school district meeting like we were walking into because you're at work, right? You're finding right. child care for your for your for your child, and you're going to work, and so you don't have the 
the flexibility to attend some of these meetings. So some of it is on the onus of members in the school district to make sure that they are doing things to reach and inform parents and teachers uh, who aren't able to attend some of these these different functions. But what was alarming was is once we got inside the meeting, and I wasn't able to uh, get a full recording of this, but you know, uh, Superintendent Height echoed that that same you know argument. He was blaming parents essentially for kind of falling asleep at the wheel, while he acknowledged that he had been superintendent since 2012 and he had known this was a long going issue prior to his arrival. He really did nothing to address this issue and then blamed parents for not causing enough alarm on this issue. So the whole district meeting that followed uh, our protests and, and my interviews outside was you know, a real eye-opening experience to know how bad of a shape the school district is in. Well, it's like a passing of the buck type of situation. Like, I, <laughs> I wasn't there, um, but uh, just hearing that pisses me off because how, how do you blame parents when parents don't even know? Like, it's just like, I'm almost speechless when you say that. And that's the ongoing problem is parents don't know, but then are faulted for not being there and for knowing when, you know, they're just trying to to do their best to get by in a lot of situations. Philadelphia is a very high poverty city. So a lot of parents um, are working sometimes two jobs, sometimes second and third shift because it's the only job that they can get. Um, I've been there before, so I can certainly say I haven't been able to attend school board meetings on a regular basis to know how bad of a shape the school district is in. But a basic requirement of providing a healthy school seems like something you shouldn't have to demand. And that's the thing. That's the thing about it is that you when you send your kids to school, you are under the impression that you're sending them to a safe environment. We already have to worry about you know, mass shootings and, and all this, this additional um, stuff that, that parents worry about on a daily basis. We shouldn't have to worry about the condition of the school. So I'm sorry, but I feel like as a parent, that shouldn't be my job. You know, <laughs> like that's, that should not be my job. But the way that they are setting thing, everything up now, because they've let this go on for so long it's about to be the parents jobs to to take over all this nonsense that they just let fall by the wayside and just when you think this issue couldn't get a little bit more complicated the very uh next day i attended a rally in university city that was led by state senator vincent hughes a number of other elected officials and we were able to stop that day as well to get a few interviews And you'll hear more about that coming up after this break. So I've had a lot of people coming to me asking me where I find the time and the space to make all of these podcasts happen. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the equipment and the networking capacity to make this take off. And it's not just for other podcasts. Other creative individuals use this space as well. We're talking musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head over to Rec Philly. Visit them on Instagram. And if you find yourself wanting a membership, tell them Salah sent you. For, for everybody who doesn't know, tell us why. Tell us who you are um, and what brought you out today. Sure. My name is Nicholas O'Rourke. I am a pastor of Living Water United Church of Christ in Northeast Philadelphia, Oxford Circle. I'm an organizer with power. Uh, I, I came out today uh, because the issue around uh, school funding is a long-standing issue. Uh, power has been an organization along, in coalition with many others across the, the city and the Commonwealth to make sure that we continue to raise the awareness around the reality of the toxic conditions of the schools. Uh, it is a moral outrage, uh, has, as has already been lifted up uh, by several elected officials, uh, that you have uh, students and staff that are in schools uh, where there is lead flowing through waters. I, there was a story that came out in, in WHYY that talked about how there were uh, teachers and students that were raising money to send water bottles to Flint, Michigan, while at the exact same time their very school uh, had many water fountains uh, that had extremely high uh, lead, lead counts in them. 
And so uh, the fact that we allow this to persist, the fact that this is so prevalent uh, in uh, urban areas of the Commonwealth, uh, exposes the inherent racism in the way that we do funding for our schools, and the fact that you know we have uh, a crumbling infrastructure that is probably billion dollars in terms of a back order of things that needs to get done, um, is a sin and a shame. And so I want to continue to make sure that my presence and voice is um, uh, uh, present to call out the fact that we need to make sure that our schools are fully funded, not yesterday, uh, but right now. Uh -huh. um, not to mean to cut you off, but who... Who should we direct our energy toward, rightfully or wrongfully so? There's a lot of opinion about uh, Superintendent Height that he should step down for his his lack of attention to to raise awareness on this issue, being in the district since 2012, I believe, uh, but also his lack of response just recently with these last schools, few schools that have uh, had these asbestos outbreaks and now two more additional schools have been closed down. But today, you know, we have an understanding from Vincent Hughes, Senator Vincent Hughes, that, you know, our energy should be really focused on the state level. Where do you, as, as a local citizen of this city, where should our energy be focused? Sure. So here being at Vincent Hughes' event, uh, lifting this up, I think it is important for us to get behind what he is planning right now, which is to make sure that we are continually putting pressure on Brian Cutler, who is the uh, majority leader of the, of the House of Representatives, as well as uh, Jake Corman, who is the Senate uh, majority leader. Uh, in the PA Senate uh, to make sure that we continue to lift this up. I do think that myself, along with many other community members, uh, have expressed frustration uh, with the what many would consider an inadequate response um, uh, by the current uh, superintendent. And I think that's something that none of us sh should be uh, uh, missing or uh, that no one should, should lose sight of. And so I think we, it's, all, it's very appropriate, as has been the case, that we continue to apply pressure to make sure the superintendent lives up to the responsibilities, responsibilities that, are, uh, that he's called to. As uh, someone who may be a parent, may not, uh, but I as someone that lives in the city of Philadelphia who, who's not here today and may be listening in, what, what advice would you give them on how they can be best used to move the ball forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think as an organizer uh, and someone who believes uh, in the power of collective action, uh, the more the merrier, as they say, right? Um, the, the the power is not in the in the point of finger, but in the clinch fist. When we can pull together across families, across schools, across district, across race, across every dividing line, uh, and 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 ring out the truth that this is addressing every, every all of all the students that are going to schools and teaching in these schools. Um, we're able to direct our energy and organize. And so I believe in organizing. I believe in making sure that not, this is not the only room that folks should be coming in, that when, when there's a call to show up at the district uh, at 440, when there's a call to come to the streets, when there's a call to go to City Hall, whatever the case may be, when there's a call to go to Harrisburg, that as many people as possible uh, that can afford to, to make sure that they are there. Uh, that's the only way change comes, the more that we stay on the issue and the more people that are staying on the issue, that'll help us to, to create the kind of change that we want to see. Nicholas O'Rourke, thank you, as always, a friend of the podcast. Thanks for stopping uh, to have this conversation with me. Thank you, my brother. So that was my interview with Nicholas O'Rourke, and he really echoed some of the confusion that I, I feel like some people feel. You know, where should our attention be focused? Should it be focused at the state level and push legislators to get some of these law passed to fund some of the Philadelphia schools? Or should it be focused at the local level and, you know, maybe forcing Superintendent Height to resign? Um, yeah, it's definitely good to uh, know what direction to go in. Um, it's pretty easy to get lost in all of this. So that's yeah. important. And one of the things that was really um, alarming as, you know, so we attended this press conference led by Senator Vincent Hughes. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in his interview as well. That he painted a very stark contrast between the you know the tale of two districts, right? Like on one monitor, while he spoke behind him, there was conditions in Philadelphia schools, exposed asbestos, lead, buildings falling apart. I think in one school he was walking through. I think it was like the gymnasium and it was literally raining. So they had to pull yeah. out umbrellas puddles on the floor. And then in the contrast, he showed Plymouth white marsh, right? Like this white glove, fancy, like, you know, well kept school that's, you know, within a few miles just outside the city limits um, that receives way more funding than Philadelphia school students do. Right. And you could visibly see it. Yeah, it, the it was so it's it was disturbing, really. And, you know, to say 
you know, there's an argument that is like, well, it's two different school districts. So, two di- yeah, but the funding is the same, right? The, the, the students in the state should receive the same funding no matter what school district you, you go to. But in reality, you know, once you hit outside the city limits, the funding is drastically different for students within the city. Right. So we we uh, got into that a little bit more when I talked to Senator Vincent Hughes, and he really helped to paint that picture in a little bit more vivid detail. All right. So uh, right now I'm hitting with uh, State Senator Vincent Hughes. Um, just thank you for everything that you said today. And um, let's share with the people who are listening in. Uh, why we are here so it's it's real simple uh I, I, but it's it's very painful um our schools are broken our schools are toxic uh and they're just not a little bit broken they're not just a, a little toxic uh it is massive it is pervasive uh the the school district did a study in 2016 uh, that was released in, tw- in the early part of 2017 that said it would be over $4.5 billion to fix up the public schools in Philadelphia. All right, that's how bad it is. We've seen the specific problems. Leah Del Russo just made nas- international TV uh, with her uh, diagnosis, okay? That cancer, all right? Chris uh, Tramicus who died as a result of third-degree burns over 75% of his body from a boiler in the Edmonds School exploding. Okay, and he caught fire. He worked in the school. He was a school superintendent. He worked in the school, and he was in the boiler room, and the boiler exploded, caught fire, and four months later, he died. Okay? Uh, Chelsea Mungu's famous letter famous letter that made that made CNN and, 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 and became international news. Chelsea Mungu wrote this, wrote the letter about how when she was attending the, the uh, Cassidy school that she felt like she was in prison. When you think about you go to school you think you're in prison. You go to school and there's mold. You go to school and there's rat and rodent and mice infestation. You go to school and you go to school cafeteria and there's infestation in the cafeteria, in the lunch preparation room, okay? Think about teachers, all right? School personnel, students who have to go to these schools and they're toxic, they're broken. So we wanted to gather here today and say that this generational problem, because we're in, we're in court, you know, in, in, you know, filing lawsuits, all right, that are um, in, in going to be in front of the state Supreme Court. We're here to say this call to action, um, that these schools are broken and toxic, but that, that we're just not asking people to get riled up. We're providing very real and attainable solutions to the problem that are mostly driven at the state level. School District of Philadelphia just recently announced about two, three days ago, a half a billion dollar new investment. And that's a good thing. Now the state's got to respond as well. Um, so that's why we're here today. We pointed out the solutions. We pointed out the legislation. We pointed out where the money can be attained to, fi- to finance and pay for this problem. This is a problem that is generated and driven towards black and brown students. It is the history of racism in this country. It's the manifestation of the history of racism in this country. Um, but this is also a problem that's that's driven at low-income school districts. So you could be in mid-state, upstate Pennsylvania, um, in some rural community, no real money in that community. Your schools are probably in the same condition, all right? So it's a class conversation. It's an economic conversation as well. We're telling people that they can win, that there are solutions. It's going to be work, but you can win on this. You... Um in your speech today, as as you spoke, you painted a very stark contrast. One side of the room, you know, it was the conditions of Philadelphia schools. Um, some schools that I, I have friends that have their children are there. Um, I'm a product of Philadelphia schools. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, um, we saw some districts outside of the city, just outside of the city limits, not far. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of cases, you know, I lived in Mount Airy. I'm probably closer to Plymouth White Marsh than I am to the, the high school that's that's available for me. What is that a large part of the problem? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it is. And, and so to sh- we showed the pictures today because people needed to see and continued need to see what a 21st century school should look like. All right. They need to see that there's students attending 
those kinds of high-quality schools with no rodent infestation, no lead, no asbestos. They need to see that because one of the problems that we have in the neighborhood, as people see these substandard conditions, and they see them year after year after year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation. Oh, I used to go to your school. It was terrible back then when I went to your school. What you arguing about? What you crying about? Well, it's not supposed to be that way. Number one, state law requires that every school be equal and equally funded. And, and number two, that we cannot get in this mindset that less than is acceptable. All right. Now with that, now with that, we're as equal as anyone else and deserve what everyone else is supposed to have. And because we know that the funding formula at the state level for education is discriminatory. It's the worst funding, equitable funding formula in the nation. Pennsylvania ranks 50th below Alabama, below Mississippi. All right. We rank below those states in terms of equity and funding. All right. So people got to fight. People got to step up. And that's why we're here today. Uh, I don't know how much time you have, but I like to get a little bit into the details of things. So can we talk about that funding formula? Explain that to people who may not understand what that is. Well, just look at uh, I'll start with the, the consequences of the inequitable funding formula. Take a school. Overbrook High School. OK. Roxborough High School. Um. Uh, Alney, okay? Um, take a class of 30 kids. Go over the line to Plymouth White Marsh High School or to Upper Dublin High School. The students in Upper Dublin and Plymouth White Marsh High Schools are getting $10,000 more per child than in Roxborough, in West Philadelphia, in Alney. $10,000 more per child. So a class of 30 kids in Plymouth White Marsh, that's $300,000 more per classroom of 30 kids. Think about it. So if you look at the conditions and you see what's going on, you see the funding formula, all right, is discriminatory. And it's been like that for decades. And it's only slowly getting repaired. Um, now, the state law and the state constitution says that every child must get an equitable funding. All right. So the money must be equalized, must be the same. Uh, but the legislature for decades has failed to fund it equitably. All right. So now we're back in court again. All right. Have won every time. And we're working our way up to the state Supreme Court. And hopefully when we get in front of state Supreme Court and they make the decision, they will put teeth behind their decision to make sure the legislature does what it's supposed to do, which is to fund equitably. We know it can work. It happened in New Jersey. And when it happened in New Jersey, within years, $8 billion of new money went in. All right. And they started fixing up schools and adding more money to classes and adding more school personnel and what have you. It is the state's responsibility. All right. And we'll do whatever it is we have to do to raise the level of concern on a legislative level, on a community organizing level and in the courts to get this addressed. It is our responsibility to our children and in fact to ourselves. The, the biggest problems that exist in our society, I am. A hundred percent confident, a hundred percent confident that the solutions exist in the unlocked mind or rather in the locked brain of black and brown and poor children because they just don't have a key, which, which, which is that high quality education to unlock that brilliance. All right. And so we all. All society suffers as a result of that. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know. I have children, but for the folks who may not necessarily have children, yeah, it's it's important to understand how the lack of investment in our schools infects them in the future, right? Like as I get older, that I I'm depending on that younger society to make sure that my world is is viable for me to live in. Um, but for that individual that doesn't have children, who doesn't have that direct motivating push to get involved, what recourse do they have and how can they do something? It's real cool. They got, they got, look, 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 look. It, the, 
the, the, if you don't have children, education is a society responsibility. It's a, we all benefit from an educated society. All right. We all benefit from an educated society where the brilliance of an educated community lifts us all up. OK. Motivates us all. That brilliance. Guy Bluford, the first African-American astronaut, went to Overbrook High School. OK. We inspired by 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 his story. OK. That kind of brilliance. All right. Helps us all. And whether you, whether you have children or don't have children, if you don't have children, you're damn sure dependent upon, upon it because, you know, who's going to contribute to your Social Security? Who's going to contribute to your Medicare? Okay? Who's going to solve the problems that exist in our neighborhood? That educated person. That's what's going to happen. Not to say that there's not space for folks who don't have an education, but we need all of us to be educated. All of us to be educated and trained as society moves forward, as technology wraps us up and snatches us forward. OK. And jobs become less to have. OK. Because technology is kind of just just zooming ahead. All right. Um, we got to be able to be knowledgeable and smart and wise on how to do that. It is it is it is a it is a a um, for anyone to say that education is not important. They clearly are uneducated. And I'm going to say that again. For anybody to say that education is not important, they clearly are uneducated. I, I, I love your passion behind this. And uh, thank you for speaking truth to power with all of this. Uh, for I'm in, I'm in a car ride home from going home from work, right? Mm -hmm. I got some time on my hands. Who can I call to, to, to put a fire under their butts a little bit? So first of all, to, to be of service, go to the local school. Just stop in. I'm telling you, once once the principal makes sure that you're cool, okay, all right, they'll embrace you if you want to help out those students. Maybe even read to them or teach them how to read or just be around, okay? That's number one thing. Be of service first. And the easiest way to do it is just stop into the local school. I want to help out, okay? One thing. Second thing, you want to get in an organized environment. Um, there's a couple organizations, Fund Our Facilities Coalition. Okay, hashtag them. All right, uh, Public Citizens for Children and Youth, PCCY.org. Okay, um, PCCY.org. Just go there. Let Donna Cooper and that whole organization just they'll they'll just snatch you up, and they got a whole lot of stuff that you can involve in. Um, if you just want to write a check, you go online. The uh, the um, fund for the school district of Philadelphia, run by a good sister Donna Frisbee Greenwood. All right. Go to go to go to their website and you can even pick a school. You can pick a school like the school that I went to, you know, whoever is listening. You know, I went the I went to grade school, the, the lead school. I can go to the um, fund for the school district of Philadelphia website, scroll down, find Lee school. And I can write a check just directly go to, to Lee school to fix up or to help out whatever it is that they're going to help out. So there's ways that people can help no matter what their circumstance is. If you're if you if you big time, if you're big baller, if you're big baller shot call, you got all that dough. Like my man Meek Mill. Meek tweeted out. You may have seen this. You know, I got, you know, billionaire friends. We want to buy some schools. Well, I Here's, so there's a successful model that's in place um, for the, the, the PAL slash um, Science Leadership Academy School, which is a public school. Groundbreaking is going to start, uh, uh, going to be on the 9th, okay, where President Fry to President Drexel University got some corporate contributions, got some uh, uh, philanthropic contributions, got some state and local government money, and they're uh, totaled $40 million dollars going to build a brand new K-8 public school, groundbreaking on December 9th, all right? So there's models that exist. Call my office, all right? Go to my website, senatorhughes.com. Reach out to us. We'll get you involved. Thank you. Thank you for, for everything you're doing. Again, um, this is, I, I have three children, and, and I, I know what it's like, you know. It, it's, there, there's an energy around you that just moves a little bit differently when you have a fear that you know their future is in severe jeopardy so thank you thank you for that and your three little babies how old are they oh they they're not little uh 19 16 and 15 oh, we're gonna pray for them because they're aliens right about now yeah i'm telling you i've had some all right <laughs> thank you senator vincent hughes i appreciate you brother 
So, Brie, how do you feel about this? Not pleased. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just such a terrible situation and we really need to band together as parents, as Philadelphians just just band together and and fix this problem for our kids and for the the teachers and and faculty at, at our schools. Yeah, this is pretty alarming. I mean, to say that, you know, we can't send our kids and teachers can't go to work in a school where they might get cancer or they might, you know, be poisoned by lead, is pretty crazy. You know, there was um, there was a story about how teachers were sending uh, water bottles to Flint, Michigan. I, you know, I think we right. talked about that with the senator. And like, Meanwhile, they are being, you know, poisoned by some of the lead that's in it's in the buildings. You know, teachers having to go on national news outlets to talk about the cancer that they've gotten while teaching in Philadelphia School District just for the people within their own city to hear what they're saying. That's disturbing. Um, and that's just it's beyond dropping the ball. That's just trying to pass the buck and trying to avoid the issue so that you won't get blamed for it. Right. Um, So hopefully a lot of people can uh, really gravitate towards this issue and organize around it. With that said, we have a petition for everybody to go sign. So please visit my Instagram page, Salas Corner, and click the link in my bio to add your name to the petition to just ask for the school district to take this issue seriously, to be transparent in how they investigate some of these schools and make sure that they are investigating every single school in the district. That's one of the biggest problems is the school district has yet to announce a plan where they are going to assess every school in the district. Add your name to that cause. And as always, you can email me with any questions, ideas, topics, or if you want to be the guest on Salas Corner, the email is realtalk at salascorner.com. Anything else you want to add in, Brie? Just to make sure that we hold these people accountable because it's important. As always, thank you for tuning in. Please leave a a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Um, Subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you for always tuning in and contributing. Salas Corner is recorded out of Rec Philly. It is a space for creative individuals. It's produced by none other than producer extraordinaire Bree Wilson, who's right here with me today. And it features music produced by Delgado. For more of my work, please visit SalasCorner.com. And until next time, peace, y'all.